0: You're listening to the Bleak and Review Podcast. Who is that? Quarantine quickies, quarantine quickies. If you listen right now, it's like you're right here with me. Bleak and Review, it's the quarantine kickies. Post up on your couch and watch little Nicky take a load off and wash your hands. Cause Kevin doesn't have a whole lot planned. It's quarantine quickies, quarantine quickies. Don't go outside cause it's gross and icky. Who is
1: Welcome back to Bleak and Review Quarantine Quickie number 40. I'm your host, Kevin Anderson, and I do not want to do an intro this week because I am tired and also cranky. Why, you might ask? Because somebody ran into my car while it was parked on the road, and America still sucks. And that's about the size of it. That's all I really have to say. I don't want to talk about everything that sucks today. I'm very exhausted emotionally and physically, and I don't really want to get into it. But what I can tell you is that this is a very fun episode with uh, my old buddy Michael Swaim stopping by on the old Zoom hang. We had a great chat. It's a little longer than my interviews typically go, just because we hadn't talked in a while. So I'll let that be the bulk of the episode. No need for me to sit here and faff on about how, you know, our president should be murdered. <laughs> oh boy, a minute 45 into the episode. I've already, uh, uh, I'm have i already on a watch list. That's great. Um, podcast clause. It's satire. I don't really think... I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm just making jokes for a podcast. Thank you, NSA... While I've got your attention, maybe you should um, do something about the Ben Shapiro's and the Joe Rogan's of the world. They're much more dangerous than I am. Anyway, I'm not going to do an intro. Here's an ad of some sort, probably recycled from earlier in quarantine. And then we'll be talking to Michael Swame here on Bleak and Review, the podcast.
0: Greetings, humans. Huh? Do you worry about your financial security in an increasingly uncertain post-pandemic world? Yes. Perhaps you spent your puny government stimulus check on Amazon already. Most importantly, do you have teeth? Do I? If so, we can help. I'm Dr. Dench Mantooth, DDS. Why would an orc be a dentist, you ask? Few professions combine the brutal cunning and cunning brutality that come naturally to kind better than dentistry. Plus, it's a great way to get teeth, which every orc knows is the one currency that won't depreciate with collapsing empires. At Mantooth and Clan, we believe that a good set of teeth is the greatest treasure of all. The teeth you want can be yours today. Bring in any skull and we'll take all the teeth out for a small premolar fee. Ooh, that was kind of nice. Bring your friends, bring your enemies, bring yourself if you're so desperate, but bring them all to and Clan DDS. I dreamed of this. Bad credit? No credit? Blood credit? No problem. We can take your jaw as collateral and give you a bear trap to chew with while you work off your debt to the Horde. Yes, Cheektan. Perhaps your feeble human teeth cause you pain. Perhaps due to poor hygiene or not chewing enough bones of your enemies. Why not let Mantooth & Clan take those bad teeth off your hands? Our expert staff is wielded by a skilled shaman and will knock your traitorous lazy peon teeth right out of your head. The sky is falling. At Mantooth & Clan, we specialize in cutting-edge dental work. With a full range of radical anesthetics, including bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing. So come on down to Mantooth and Clan, DDS, located in the Ash Barrens, just past the carcass of the Great Carnosaur. Mantooth and Clan, putting the axe in tooth extraction since the dawn of the Third Age. Death not the end. Note, man and Clan is no longer a licensed piercing and or tattoo parlor. If your dental implants result in any or all of the following, please consult your physician. Excessive bleeding, excessive swelling, palate cleave, insufficient bleeding, loss of appetite, loss of soul, ancestral possession, phantom tooth pain, unlocked jaw, frequent decapitations, or irritable jowl syndrome.
2: Surely we're not in it now. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we'll edit it out.
1: <laughs> this is the stuff people really want the behind the scenes stuff. Doings.
2: That's what people crave. The how you doing?
1: <laughs> the how's how's the Bay Area? The how's the family?
2: <laughs> just the questions, too, not the answers. It's weird. People just like pleasantries. They,
1: yeah, a super cut of half of a question and answer.
2: Just replicate the feeling of meeting a stranger, bumping into someone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's got to be a booming industry for that right now. It's just like, you know, uh, uh creating some kind of normalcy, you know, like a like a, a simulation.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, all the I just read a big article, big. I read 850 Ooh. words <laughs> and then I sent away for my diploma. No on how all the strippers are out of work and the attempts to do drive-through stripping and how it just doesn't work out like it's fun for a novelty for a second but seriously no one's sure. hanging in you're not getting your regulars out day after day driving through the drive-up yeah. stripping window um yeah i can't even
1: imagine what that experience would even be like though like that's weird
2: drive-through <laughs> stripping yeah it's actually more comfortable for me i think the for a woman to <laughs> for a strange woman to rub her booty against my face uh encased in steel is a good way that's like what how i want that to go down
1: (laughs) wait so they like stick their asses through the driver's side window the pictures
2: (laughs) i saw were uh they're masked up they're on an outdoor stage you drive up you can get relatively close like close enough to reach your arm out the window and stick some money in the g-string right sure that's about it i mean i can't imagine that lap dances or lap dances seem like a ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen enough attempted sex in car videos to know that there's not a lot of room to operate. That's
2: the thing though, because porn continues porn pioneers in every direction. Like, you know how porn invents a lot of technology that then becomes standard in filmmaking. And you're like, it was porn. Oh, first. Sure, yeah. um Anything. <laughs> and of course, famously anything you can think of to type in. And Hey, I'm a professional imaginer. So I've typed in a lot of stuff, and uh, there are thousands of videos of (laughs) women sticking their asses out the car window from inside and getting boned by strangers on the street, (laughs) pretending the video is presupposing that this happens, right? Right that this oh, is right, some yeah. amateur video of this happening in the wild
1: <laughs> it sounds like a subgenre of a of a, a certain subsection i've seen called stuck porn where it's like a woman is like stuck in the dish like in the in the sink like her arm is stuck and she gets banged oh. i feel like that's probably some kind of like my wife got, uh, or my neighbor's wife. It's always He's gotta like be trapped your neighbor's under wife.
2: A log, <laughs> yeah, something exactly. like that.
1: There was a horrible logging disaster on the freeway, and I got a nut in real quick. I'd
2: love to be <laughs> just brainstorm the ways that they got trapped. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you'd hit a wall around thirty or forty, and then you'd you know rediscover the joy of how to trap people. It would be a whole you journey. Know,
1: you know what they need to do is they need to incorporate. uh Uh, that like super what do they call it the adrenaline rush you get when like you know your your loved one is stuck under a car and like you like lift the car up because like you know like my child or whatever and we're already doing enough stepdaughter stuff dude i feel like they could do both here's the
2: pitch you cut right frame up frame one couple is hardcore fucking dude is right about to come you're like (laughs) was this mislabeled i'm here for the fetish like what the fuck i don't want porno I want, you know, what's going on. The guy has a heart attack, dies. His dead body traps her. Another guy comes in, and you realize that's the guy.
1: That's the ultimate cuckolding, right there. I think (laughs) corpse holding. Nope, there's uh, there's a pun there somewhere. I don't know what it is. Corpse holding. (laughs) Corpse holding. Uh, uh. We'll workshop it once we get this Kickstarter going. That we're clearly gonna do for this.
2: (laughs) I'm a GoFundMe guy now.
1: Oh, you're go GoFundMe. Too me. many times. <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna just randomly tweet my Venmo every couple days out and see what happens, kind of guy. Yeah, I
2: haven't done that yet. Has that actually worked for you? Has any cash come in that way?
1: I I have done that before, only like once actually, and I did it Where people uh, just do like, "Yo, it's my
2: birthday," or sure, yeah. like you said, "I'm in a bind, I have plight."
1: Yes, I had I had a plight, but I also would offer something in return. I was like, hey, I'll uh, write a dis like, you know, uh, depending on how much you donate, I'll write X amount of dis bars about somebody of your choosing. And I actually ended up doing that for a while. Uh, And then I got overwhelmed (laughs) and stopped.
2: The sheer amount of (laughs) hatred people wanted to pump into the world was more than you could bring to bear. (laughs) <laughs> no
1: no certainly and we weren't even it, this wasn't this was in like 2018 too so i wasn't even like you know i i was i wasn't my threshold was way lower imagine back then how, how bleak that shit
2: would be. yeah like can you write everyone's just can you write me some bars that will literally fucking kill me just kill me with your disc <laughs> bars please <laughs>
1: In the lieu, in the lieu of of writing bars, could you just murder Mitch McConnell yeah, for me? <laughs> uh, speaking of murdering Mitch McConnell, we are back here on Bleak and Review. I remain Kevin Anderson. Look at that segue. Every, speaking of killing Mitch McConnell, is the way I go into every single interview. By the way, That's how including we
2: do it now. that one with Mitch McConnell, which I found odd. First yeah, of all, he, amazing he, that you he, landed him, and that was just put the whole thing <laughs> off on the wrong foot. I thought.
1: He was I, he was a pretty good sport about it though. I was surprised. Yeah. I was I was surprised that I started our hour and plus you know Marin style breakdown of his whole deal with uh we're going to kill you after this right and
2: then and you murdered him.
1: And he did. I did actually. And people. That's what. That's my current conspiracy theory. Last time you're on the show, Michael Swain. Oh, hey. the natural introduction right. is here. Last time you were on the show, we were talking about our favorite conspiracy theories, and uh, that's my new one: is that I killed Mitch McConnell, and what what you see uh, walking around and being terrible is a crude lookalike. Well, they
2: yeah, they de-shelled him and put his shell on another <laughs> naked, confused old man shoved him onto the floor of the senate
1: yeah they they just went to uh the local uh, old folks home with a special village for the memory impaired and they just like you're you're now the senate majority leader go out there have He's fun just
2: to shave brian cranston at this point the guy has range he does are you do you also get upset when people this
1: made me think of it because like you know, SNL's gotta do their political shit every week, right? And I heard someone recently be like, Oh, Dana Carvey would be great to come back as Mitch McConnell. I'm like, I don't think that would be fun at all. I don't think any of it is fun, you know? Like, I don't I don't think it's worth lampooning in an SNL type because it is like war crimes, you know? <laughs> I
2: have always been there for the back half of the show material at SNL. That's mm. what gets me like the shit that was used to be written by the kids in the hall and then with like Lonely Island, I feel reintroduced that feel like they'll they'll occasionally re-inject into the on the writing side, like a group of fresh hot comedians that they sort of absorb and force to do the SNL sure. thing. And I feel like the opening half of the show is like the sketches that you had to do as if they were right. homework assignments like be- yeah. because it's, it's like somehow your book report for the has week to be... it's your book
1: report on current events for the right. week, basically which probably
2: is smart that's probably why that's a hit show because i love comedy pure comedy and don't give a shit about current events and i i right. think history's bearing me out current events suck ass Pure comedy is better. It's more fun and enjoyable. So I like the weird sketches and characters that are just like, all right, we got through everything. Jim Carrey came back to play whoever the fuck. Tina Fey did the thing. It's fine. Now we're going to do- Alec Baldwin's
1: around. Now we're going to do
2: a (laughs) one-off sketch like a David S. Pumpkins or whatever weird shit that some writer pitched that just genuinely made us all laugh so it made it to the show.
1: Yeah, I think now uh, it's interesting that back half thing. Like, I never really thought about it that way, but I totally can see that in terms of the co- like the the trajectory of the show and the content. I think maybe the good neighbor guys, you know, like Kyle Mooney and Nick Rutherford and Beck Bennett. Yeah. I think uh, they they might be the new. Ch- because they they write Kyle and Beck also write on the show right like as opposed to being on it also I believe yes they
2: do. I actually know those guys fairly well because they all starred in the only feature I've ever gotten made what I was oh, also was that? in so I got hella stories about those guys well, I would love to hear them what what was the movie I might have seen Kill that. Me Now.
1: Oh, I haven't seen it. What was uh, the t- pitch? Available it. in full <laughs> this on thing.
2: YouTube. It's a horror comedy starring SNL alums that no one has fucking seen, even though it's quite funny. Uh, it's yeah. basically my whole sketch troupe plus those three dudes. It was like a collaboration oh, hell yeah. with Good Neighbor. Before Good Neighbor got like they like these troops do. I think yeah, totally. if you don't follow sketch comedy on like a troop by troop level, you might not know. SNL will scout whole troops and just like absorb the whole troop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was uh I, I remember Good Neighbor stuff being an early YouTube sketch channel. Like like I go back and watch them now and the quality just like a video quality of it alone shows you how like long ago that was. You're like, Oh my god, I can't believe I watched anything, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> It'll be like
2: a VHS tape. But that works that's part of their aesthetic too. Like if you've seen Briggsby Bear, the movie Kyle made with Dave yes. Prairie, who's there like behind the camera guy. Um it they love that throwback late 80s early 90s aesthetic it's part of their deal but oh totally yeah soup all super super talented obviously really funny and uh what was i saying oh the movie well
1: yeah your 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 content
2: (laughs) yeah it's about uh it's like a high school horny coming of age slasher movie but I wrote it, <laughs> but mine, <laughs> that's actually,
1: it's not, that's actually a genuinely great pitch. The only way we
2: could get the money together is if the premise wasn't too, you know, it was our first movie. So the premise can't be too, uh, out there. So it's like straightforward oh, sure. tried and true formula, uh, last day of high school and a killer is on the loose, but, uh, we did it. So it's hilarious
1: No, I'm sure I actually probably going you know, to watch that. Tonight. That sounds movies. really fun. Yeah, I, you made me think, though, about, like, you know, your first one, to, to have anybody trust you with any money, like, your first movie has to be, like, kind of a small contained thing, and, like, it made me think about, like, when I first moved to L.A., and... Uh, I had written this script in college, you know, a little fucking indie dark comedy about a brooding college student. Because, like, you got to write what you know. And when you don't know a lot, it's really <laughs> self-involved and pretentious. But yeah. I remember trading scripts with this guy I met at a dive bar open mic. He's like, oh, we should trade scripts. And his, like, first script that he gave me was, like, Apache helicopters and world cults and all this crazy, like like every conspiracy theory you could imagine. And just the production value was like, who do you think is going to make this ever? <laughs> you know, like it's got to tone it down a little bit. Maybe there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. The
2: first play I wrote that I brought to my playwriting professor in college, All Proud, was like me in it as myself, who's a writer trying to write and uh, has writer's block and is roommates no. with Jesus Christ. And the, <laughs> he's like, I've seen fucking 10 plays exactly like this. I'm like, what do you mean exactly like this? He means like down to the elements, like, like Jesus down to Christ, the Christ is the roommate. <laughs> it's Jesus or Hitler. It's always Jesus or Hitler. And I like, think
1: the only two those are the only two concepts of good and evil you have
2: in your brain at those times. Yeah, so. it's just basic, basic bitch bullshit, man. But that's you got to write through all that stuff to get to the good stuff. I'm actually really proud of kill me now. I'm not putting it in the same camp. But no, sure. The premise sure. Remains very basic. As you said, we had X amount of money. But what we really had was access to a locked down cabin in a nice area of like woods that we could control so it's a horror oh, slasher movie because that's what you do boom
1: the, all the production value you could possibly want right there in the trees yeah.
2: and beck bennett is <sighs> incredible as the jock douchebag like big man on campus high school oh yeah he
1: absolutely like it's so perfect how like that's like how a good i think a sketch troupe like good neighbor who i think is fantastic and i've been following them for like over 10 years mm-hmm. now they have their specific like thing that they do great as an archetype in the group. Like Beck definitely has like the broey energy. I don't know if you've seen the Unicorn. Have you seen oh, yeah. that ever? Uh, oh yeah, because his character in that, you know, the the the, yeah. the kind of like very sexual nightclub owner. Yeah,
2: and then Kyle his... is weird in a specific way. That yeah, only <laughs> Kyle brain. does his yeah. thing. Yeah, and he does that in this movie too. I actually, I actually oh, don't want to spoil his bit, but like. We Fuck knew yeah. we knew what he was and we used him appropriately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm genuinely very excited to watch uh, to watch that tonight. And it does bring me to one of my semi pre-planned uh, interview questions for you, oh, Michael. Shit. Swain. I didn't know there was uh, any
2: planning whatsoever.
1: There almost isn't. Uh, <laughs> my planning is I'm drinking a White Claw. I'm sweating through a Carly Rae Jepsen shirt and I can talk pretty good.
2: <laughs> the energy uh, from but- that Across the Universe movie poster is just bathing you in love.
1: Oh, thank you so much for recognizing that. Not, a, not enough of my guests bring that up, to be honest. Oh, it's
2: the Cosmic <laughs> Strawberry. Does anything <laughs> yeah. say The Beatles more than a strawberry floating in space?
1: <laughs> With Julie Taymor's uh, autograph that's on right. it, because oh, it is signed. That's actually dope. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't even... I mean, I just like saw that movie for the first time in quarantine, uh, and then I posted something... I posted a clip from it of a really funny scene I thought of during... A, the Hey Jude number when there's just this drunk man banging on trash cans and then just gets wasted. I just clip that out. And someone was like, I have a signed poster with Evan Rachel Wood and Julie Taymor. And, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Jim Sturgis. And I was like, I'll take that. No <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> no Broadbent. No, unfortunately. So we'll get them all. I'm going to, I'm going to, if he returns my emails, we'll get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Complete the set. You need that across the universe collection. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right now we are three fourths of the way across the universe. We need to get all the way.
2: <laughs> That'll fix your life. That'll fix all this. <laughs> uh,
1: but what I, that's uh, also leading into what I was thinking, which is, uh, are you finding it? Just as difficult or harder to create stuff uh, this year than like you have in the past? Because I feel like it's a lot, especially in this podcast, uh, it's less comedy and more me being very upset and angry. (laughs) Does that bleed into your work, you think?
2: The big thing for me, this is not good content by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: okay. We get real. These are the quarantine quickies. We get real in these. Yeah. (laughs) The
2: big change for me lately is, um, you know how we'll all one day die?
1: I do. I think about that often, yeah.
2: I used to think about it, but thinking about it did not cause a visceral physical reaction. For some reason, I had some kind of ability to compartmentalize my own mortality uh, Uh to the point where I'd be like, well that's far in the future and when it happens you're I believe you're immediately not conscious of it. It'll pro- most likely, I don't know what's going to happen, but it'll probably be nothing. Can't be right. scared of nothing. It'll just be like being asleep forever, etc. There's ways to be like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Everyone's got to die. None right. of that shit is working anymore. I don't <laughs> know if it's the morbidity of what's going on like an apocalyptic vibe or something or just that my mood swings are exacerbated by the stress of quarantine and everything sucking. You know, I don't know if it equates to there actually being an apocalypse out the window or on the horizon, but, um,
1: certainly doesn't help. (laughs) I, that's the case.
2: Cannot stop thinking about the knowledge that I will eventually die. And (laughs) it's doing the full thing like fight or flight response, adrenaline rush, face goes pale, Nothing to do. You can't do anything about it. There's nothing right. to be done. So I've been I've been uh, and in fact ironically probably risking COVID exposure. I've been going uh, to the hospital frequently, getting all my systems tested, checked out. I'm like becoming a hypochondriac for the first time in life, oh which I've no. never been. And That's wild. Uh, everything's normal and fine, but I'm sure that I have throat cancer. I feel it. Oh, no. I feel it in there. But anyway. I've had question, that same thing.
1: I get it. I get it.
2: <laughs> oh, I haven't before. It's new to me. But this, maybe it's turning thirty-five. Maybe it's uh, the world ending. It's something. And now,
1: uh, now that you could conceivably be president, maybe <laughs> now that you're thirty-five, you're like, huh? Okay. Maybe maybe the people that are president, uh, uh, yeah, aren't aren't really um, all that aware of how to keep people alive because I don't know what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> why do I say this excitedly? But <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh. Also, it could be that I recently just consciously decided to give up on my dream of ever being a filmmaker because it feels it's going it's looking like it's not gonna happen. Sure, but I mean
1: you just talked about a movie that you made.
2: I made (laughs) um I made an a movie with a budget of eighty thousand dollars that failed to find distribution (laughs) seven years ago. (laughs) And since then I've written five or six more screenplays. And gotten to the point where, you know, I've done the whole car wash. Like, it's not that I've had no success, but as you well know, I'm sure, success means having a series of meetings that 90% of the time still ends in it doesn't get made. And right. That's happened every time so far. Oh, yeah. actually, one time the screenplay got stolen and it did get made, but not with my name on it. Whoa. Uh, the Mel Gibson fuck. movie, The Mel Gibson movie, Force of Nature. I fucking wrote that. Are you it was serious? Stolen from me. Long story. I got, oh my ooh, god! I, got I good mean, I stories, dude. But, um, <laughs> but the point I mean, is, I, I decided yeah. to give up on all my dreams and kill them. And so that might be the mortality thing. Maybe I think. I think that everything... I'm mourning that.
1: Yeah, like like the reason that you're because I've been having those feelings too, especially like you know, uh, with the. I mean, I have a decent. Quote unquote career for how long I've been in L.A. and stuff like I've done stuff, but I often uh, catch myself lately thinking about that kind of stuff of like, huh. So because I, I turned 30 in quarantine and that, you know, that's one of those numbers that makes you start thinking about sure. like, oh, yeah, how long do I fuck around until something happens? Or in when a big I was 25
2: way. and I got here, what where did I think I'd be by now? Yeah. Close to that. And it's like, not really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then it's like it's also like, what did I think at that time and how based in reality was that even like, I guess it's just kind of slowly pulling back more and more of the veil to see. Because like you look at like an Eddie Pepitone who didn't fucking become the awesome, you know, semi successful presence that he is until like 55 or something. Like, and it's not that doesn't also doesn't give me you know a lot of hope and be like, oh, I only got to wait twenty five years and then I'll pop off in an Eddie Pepitone way.
2: (laughs) Yeah, plus I got throat cancer, so I'm gone in like two three years.
1: And you're gonna need that throat if you're gonna yell raspy uh, things like, "Where the
2: fuck are you,
1: Margaret?
2: (laughs) I want to talk about the kid in the lights. (laughs) What is a TikTok? I don't understand."
1: Oh, these kids! You know, people in the wasteland—they're gonna be saying, "Look at my TikTok on the top of a pile of burning corpses."
2: <laughs> then there's a yeah, the lady that, trapped under the pile of corpses. I see where you're and, going and it, with yeah. this.
1: Oh yeah! Oh, it all it dovetails nicely back into stuck porn. Yeah. <laughs> stuck stuck porn. holding. That's a great there it phrase. is. Stuck holding. Oh, of course. Stuck holding. Of course. I'm writing that down. That's probably the episode stuck title.
2: Holding. Excellent. <laughs>
1: Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think I think, though, what you're going back to, like the mortality thing, I think that just exacerbates all those things that are there before, you know, like all the uh, at least in my experience. I don't know if it's necessarily tracks, but it's like if I had an anxiety about this, this whole year has heightened that anxiety to like astronomical proportions and it feels completely unmanageable most of the time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it feels like. There's nothing to do but work on stuff, frankly, for me. I yeah. don't know if that's the way you are with things because, uh, as I said, like I've had middling success. So I have shit I can do, and I do right. it a tremendous amount. Stuff like sure. this. More yes. stuff like this. <laughs> stuff, stuff like this. Uh, writing the rap pilots, pilots and shopping do. shit around and just you know, freelance writing work here and there and just trying to make – the whole thing shake out and it's about hitting a certain age and doing that self-reflection and trying to realize, well, that's not the only thing I wanted out of life. I wanted other stuff and I want to maybe figure out how to access the joy of like my partner or whatever, or just, uh, eating f- good food or seeing the fucking sun on a goddamn tree. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, 100%. I do. Like, I, I, I didn't my leave identity, the
1: country for most of my life, you know? Like, yeah. I get it.
2: <laughs> like, having my identity not ride or die on whether I crack into Hollywood. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a religious man. That was my thing that I was living for that gave my life meaning. Sure. So it's a tricky thing to disjoint. Um, so I'm kind of still doing it by habit. Like... To answer your first question, I'm still <laughs> writing a ton of spec material in quarantine, even though I've lost all hope that any of it will go anyway. How about right? you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I pretty
1: much uh, kind of like what you were saying. I've been... Uh, I mean, I I entered quarantine on unemployment, so I had all of the time, and I also thought that we'd be done with this by, like, oh, yeah. June. Not
2: to mention entertainment <laughs> is shut down anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Like So, like, I knew stand-up wasn't going to happen for a while, and that's fine because I was getting disillusioned with stand-up anyway in some facets, like— I'm not. I've already made the executive decision that if the bar where I was running my show uh, comes back and doesn't get shut down during this, I'm not hosting there anymore. I can't do that. (laughs) So like I was just, you know, I was making music and I was podcasting a bunch. And like I was just like, yeah, I'm going to use this short period of time where I'm not obligated to go out and do things because I'm on unemployment and the pandemic will be over soon was where my brain was at like at that time. And then once it became like the long haul, I, I did have to get a job, you know, I got a remote job very luckily and I'm still putting stuff out regularly, but I also just feel like if I didn't have the structure, I would have gone insane by now for sure. Like having a thing to focus on instead of just being drunk all the time has been very, very helpful.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I, I took the, my day job now at IGN is, uh, I specifically took, because i thought it would improve my overall like mood patterns in a healthy way sure. to go to a building every day and see people
1: yes yes
2: two, within 2 months they're like everyone go home right uh, <laughs> Just recently, they announced to us they're selling the building. We're full work from home forever. There's no need for us to come in anymore. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I was already doing that. This was my attempt to be like, I'm going to give up my Hollywood dreams and have like a square job in an office at a desk. It'll be good for me. Nine to five boundaries, borders, life balance. And they're like, everyone go home and work like a podcaster, you know, just work out of your home. (laughs)
1: Which is, which is wake up and never sh- don't shower until 3 p.m. when you finally get sick of it. Uh, <laughs> shower when
2: you're going to shoot something. Like 15 yeah. minutes before you're going to shoot something, shower. That's all you got to do. No pants required. Everything's over Zoom. Bingo, bango. Entertainment, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Dude, I haven't even met any of my coworkers because I started at the end of June. I haven't even met any of my coworkers at Wondery. In, f- in person. It's just been over Zoom. It's the oh, most geez, surreal thing. I yeah, at least like-
2: got two months of, like, breathing their germs and getting to know <laughs> what their rhythms are like. You know, yeah, I yeah, do yeah. think that helps with Team Cohesion because we're trying to collaborate on written material. As you know, it's weird to... Just like suss out a comedian over Zoom and email. It's, it's right. weird. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: like. Luckily, we had recorded this show together before, so I didn't feel like if I didn't know you at all, but like reached out to put have you on the podcast. This would have been a way more uh, nerve wracking experience for me. You know.
2: Yeah, or you'd prep more questions. <laughs> I'd be like a that, better right? host. Yeah. <laughs> you would have oh, told me to... <laughs> that we were rolling when we were rolling.
1: Hey, we want to bleed in naturally. I try to do that Chris Hardwick thing, by which I mean uh, emotionally abuse women that are half my age. <laughs> oh, I,
2: I'm learning that now. I, Wait, I, what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's an old one. I thought you knew about that one. He, uh, his from like five or four years ago, he, uh, he was outed as being a a sociopath basically. And now he's married to a Hearst and has all the money in the world. And I've never heard from him since.
2: (laughs) Wow. I, uh, recently made a Chris Hardwick joke in an opening comedic monologue that I probably should have tweaked if I had known that. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. What was the joke? (laughs) Oh, it was, uh... But it was in the context of people being great hosts, so I feel like now oh. I shouldn't be name-checking him in a list of great hosts. <laughs> but it was like, we're going to create, because I was hosting something where I was interviewing someone who's known for hosting, uh, Jeff Keighley, sure, famed video game host. <laughs> <laughs> as one
1: so, of my favorite current millennial job it's great
2: <laughs> yeah that's right just video game associated personality who often has announcements about video games <laughs> beautiful <laughs> it's weird i don't know how you get that gig or how he ended up that way it's wild. but um but jeff Keeley is like his own thing he's his he's a chris hardwick in video game land sure. and i was interviewing him so i think the bit was like between me hosting a thing with a host in it we we're going to create hosting energy and chris hardwick was going to like man- magnetically burst through the studio wall um, <laughs> right. but that would imply that he's a colleague and a peer right and, and, well, who who the fuck is left, man? Yeah,
1: I know, honestly. I mean, all of the comedy store is gone. There's nobody.
2: There's nobody. That mural. They just, <laughs> just a sad old man with a sledgehammer uh, comes once a week and smashes one of the faces uh, down. Or,
1: yeah. or it takes the names. He just crosses out the names. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they Someone walking, on the walking by on the street, it, he goes,
2: canceled.
1: <laughs> the only person left on the improv wall, I believe, is that dolphin in sunglasses <laughs> that, I <don't, laughs> that I don't know why is there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, that is an odd choice.
1: Uh, but you—you're speaking of your—you uh, uh, would say middling success on the internet. Uh, here's Woo. another. Here's another pre-planned in, uh, question here. And yes, that was just a shout out to your middling success. <laughs> Woo, middling. <laughs> uh, you, like everybody else I've noticed on Twitter, has been—I uh, mean, you've—you've you've always been vocal about your beliefs and stuff. But you've—you know—everybody is a lot more fired up on Twitter these days because of the social climate. And you have much larger of a following than most people I talk to. So I'm curious of. Mm. How many people that follow you are like, like hate or I guess because it doesn't necessarily follow because it's just you get traction. But like, are you seeing like people that are like, I just was here for the the content, the games. Keep your politics out of that. Is that happening a lot with you uh, this year?
2: Zero. Really? I don't know what that means or if I'm <laughs> a data point that should be looked up to as the norm <laughs> but no n- literally no one ever wow. has said anything along those lines. That's to me. incredible. That, that means um, you've
1: cultivated a great fan base it sounds like.
2: Or it means that <laughs> I like am so niche. My comedy is so niche that I only attract such a narrow specific a band of people that I will never thrive and or succeed on any grander scale. But I get that. I like the way you phrased it also. <laughs> I like to look at it as my comedy tends to be uh I just I just like as many jokes per second as humanly possible to the point almost to a fault. Because I know that my comedy, there's a fair number of people who will like read or see something by me and be like Man, it's too fast. I only got a third of the jokes, and that's what I like. I like Marx Brothers and Preston Oh, 100 percent. And uh, I flatter myself that I have smart, reasonable, beautiful followers who all are probably hearing this. So I'm sucking (laughs) their collective dicks, but (laughs) and clitori, but um, yeah, and buttholes, and
1: suck on some butts too if you can.
2: I You suck on a butt till you get stuck, and then the whole thing cycles again. It's a um, snake
1: sucking on its own butt. That's what it yeah, is. That's right.
2: An Oro. Oro butthole? Uh, okay, no, there's something better. We'll come up with it. In another 15 minutes, you'll yeah. say it and write it down, and that'll beat the other titles.
1: Also, away. hopefully, in 20 minutes, you can uh, write a setup to this punchline Oro Soros. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what that is. It'll George Soros. But us. Uh,
2: what the fuck are we talking about? Where's... No, uh, I will say, in fact, the opposite. Like I, what I see is, um, my good pal and like longtime cohort Cody Johnston, yes, leaned entirely into politics, and I and has had tremendous success since we both like got ejected from Crackland, right? And I think that is partly due to what you're talking about. We've just never had. It's of historical note how shitty the president is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like unusual. <laughs> and, and we come from a long line of like middling presidents in the grand scheme of. Do you ever think about it's crazy how the system and I know it doesn't do this, but in theory, the idea of elections, you would think in some abstract way is supposed to filter through and find the person most fitting to be the president. Oh, imagine sure. if the theoretical person alive who would be best at it were president. I don't think we've ever had that. I don't think Lincoln no. was that like, I don't no. think anyone. So like, it's crazy how middling it already, the people it spits out already are. You right. know what I mean? Like Taft, come the fuck on. <laughs> Millard Coolidge, Fillmore. <laughs> fuck off Polk. Um, <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, but even given that, Donald Trump is just a ridiculous abomination to the point that it's frankly comical. I mean, it will be in a historical vantage. It is not comical; it's deeply tragic. But oh, no, sure, I guess we deserve it. Or like animal, like man is a buffoon of an animal. Right? At least the American animal. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous happenstance. It will be looked back on in history textbooks as. What the fuck went wrong? Like, how did that happen? It's gonna be like Mulaney, prohibition Mulaney's, times five.
1: Yeah. Like, we're gonna look back on it like we look at how stupid prohibition was times like five or ten at least.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No one said it better than John Mulaney. It's like we elected a horse to oh, run a hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's what it'll be like when you get two hundred years distance from this, and you're learning about things like slavery and genocide. And good things, you know, the invention of, uh, what, interchangeable parts or whatever. (laughs) And then you are like, also, they elected this, like, wheezing, (laughs) pro-magnon, hate-filled douchebag failure who had only starred in reality TV, and run businesses into the ground his entire life. It cheated
1: and molested his way to the middle. This
2: multiple <laughs> rapist born of two Crypt Keeper ghouls <laughs> that no one ever said they ever liked. Like re- no re- one's ever, even the people who vote for him and support him are like, yeah, he's awful. I voted for him. <laughs> I voted Fuck for him you. as a bit. <laughs> as a bit to make you mad. It's funny to me that you're mad. Now we're all fucked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. it, I just like to trigger the libs with my votes because uh, I'm strong. But hold on one second. I got to go smash my Keurig machine with a sledgehammer because <laughs> I'm uh, a fucking coward.
2: Yeah, to I got to think- go send Jeff Bezos 50% of every paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's just...
1: Uh, People out Dude, here just so, simping for billionaires. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've just reached an era. It's an era with an era of revolution to it for a reason. Like the wealth gap is at the historical point where at points in the past, we have started fighting like in the streets with arms at this point. Yeah. And now we are. We're seeing that start to happen. So I think everyone's pretty much either on board or not even bothering to they're just muting me you know what yeah, i mean Yeah, oh totally totally they're orchestrating, orchestrating their own reality they're not going to take the time to say i just came for the politics boom i'm just done i'm just not on their team totally and uh frankly that does suck because i am a coward comedian i am <laughs> the comedian who's like eh, the purity of the comedy like i didn't have any interest in sharing my political beliefs until it was pointed out to me that i have to or i'm complicit in all the evil right right and i'm like all right then i'll guess i'll get on board but <laughs> i wanted to do the thing where i just talk about poop <laughs> for my whole career. Right. And I have the white privilege of that just being like fine and inconsequential, but I've been educated enough now that I'm like, no, you got to do some shit and you got to show up a little bit or you're also a dick. Yeah. It's, like, it's, oh, all right.
1: The way the, the way, <laughs> like I've heard people say like white silence is violence before and I kind of understood yeah. it in theory, but I didn't quite, uh, know exactly what that meant until like I started seeing like the only people who weren't posting anything about, uh, You know, anything that was going on were like comedians, white comedians with horse girl energy that were very much playing it safe for their career that, you know, like that kind of thing. And like once I started seeing that specific disconnect, like, okay, you've posted like a lot of stuff. And not once have you even done like a very half assed like Black Lives Matter avatar photo on your Facebook or whatever. Like, so like, that's when I start getting a little sus. Like, I don't think people have to only be political all the time because I still, I still tweet dumb shit and like, no, yeah. But
2: if it were the French Revolution and (laughs) they were literally like burning down neighborhoods and the poor were beheading the rich, would you turn to a guy next to you and be like, I don't really fuck with all this politics right, shit. Right. You're like, it fucks with you, dude. It's upon <laughs> us. It's happening. I do believe, like, 100%. we're just living through a time where. Want it or not, politics are what's fucking happening right now.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. I live. Uh, I live. I, I, have listeners of the show know because I've I talked live. about it. I live. I live. I live. <laughs> it is all I am programmed to do. <laughs> it's your live.
2: humble brag. <laughs> yeah. I live. I
1: live. It's all right. You know. No, not to brag. Uh, but I'm in this group on uh, Facebook called Show Me Your Sandwich, which is just basically a food porn group. People post pictures of sandwiches they made, and sure. Uh, one of the things that's been interesting there is that it's been taken over by uh, not taken over, but everyone's been adding like a You know, Black Lives Matter hashtag to their sandwich pics, and there's uh, and like arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. All that stuff was happening, and it was fun to see because this group has like forty seven thousand members, and it was fun to see how many people every time that would happen was just. I thought this group was for sandwiches. Keep your politics out of my sandwich group. It's everywhere else. Can't I have this? Like, no. What do you want? A safe space? You coward. Like, (laughs) fucking. It's not that hard to say Black Lives Matter. You piece of shit.
2: damn i want a sandwich now i know sorry is right? that the takeaway that, that's kind of like this group sounds amazing dude <laughs> we, we both <laughs>
1: just had a pregnant pause of sandwich envy of, right there
2: <laughs> of reuben envy i'm like that's the one space where i'm like i kind of see his point though i mean you just why are you just here for the sandwiches
1: <laughs> well i get it. i get it to an extent but if no like, but yeah
2: especially in an era where again as i said you have every tool at your disposal to curate whatever fucking twisted, distorted reality you want to live in. Mm. Uh, mute those conversations, silence that thread. I'm sure whatever, like, social platform you're doing this through has that ability. Right. Uh, we. I hate, the thing that it kills me the most is the argument where people feel that free speech means you can post on, like, a comment on YouTube and the owner of the channel can't tell you to go fuck yourself what do you mean free speech is not protection from (laughs) you're on a website optionally posting it you're electing to do this what the fuck are you talking about Uh, free speech but people think free speech yeah. yeah means like a safe space bubble is around me at all times, wherever I navigate the universe. It's I, I, I ridiculous. have the, I have the ability to, uh,
1: uh dole out un- unrelenting, unmitigated harassment at my will. But the minute I get checked on it, I'm being infringed upon is kind of what they're thinking. I think it's like, I should be yeah. able to say whatever I want. Yeah. And conversely, it's like when comics are like, you can't even say anything anymore. I'm like, you can. And the people who hear your comedy have the, uh, rights or, uh, React, ability to react how they want and if they don't fucking like what you said they can tell you that and that doesn't that's not censorship
2: consider it they're doing free form stand up comedy from the comfort of their own right. home that's what <laughs> i'm saying it's like and i'm not saying don't if you believe uh cancel culture is a great threat and you want to push buttons and be edgy, push buttons and be edgy, get the hate, absorb the hate. Sure. That's like do it then. You'll find do the shit. People yeah. you'll
1: find an audience, you know, they you, oh. you might have to have Chris Delia open for you, but you'll find an audience.
2: Yeah, Dave Chappelle goes up, talks uh very i would say, favorably about the trans community <laughs> that's a nice way to L- put it <laughs> literally talks about how you can't say anything anymore right collects 50 million dollars and goes home and he's fine it's all fine he's gonna be fine
1: my favorite uh like... still
2: fucking dave Chappelle.
1: <laughs> my favorite instance of that is literally uh i think it was the roast of alec baldwin i can't remember it's one of the more recent roasts where adam carolla went on a whiny tirade on stage while doing it, whatever, saying whatever he wants. Oh, this
2: is his pet topic. I'm like, you're on TV now. Do you not realize what access that is, <laughs> yeah,
1: you piece he, of shit? He's like, I can't say anything anymore. It's like, you just said everything now, <laughs> currently. You're doing
2: it. You're, you're doing, doing it. it, Peter. You're, you're, you're doing, doing it. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: he, starts, he starts flying by the ears or something, like magical and soaring around.
2: And you have whole networks devoted to you. All you are saying is that when you do that, there's a whole swath of millions of people who say, Man, that's some pretty hateful shit you're spouting. <laughs> They're allowed to say that, bro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no,
1: nobody has ever actually. I don't think. Uh, maybe I can think of a, ref, uh, a example of this, but I don't think anyone has ever lost any career opportunities from just saying shitty stuff. Like big, like in a big sense. Like nobody's like, "Fuck, I can't work anymore." Like maybe a club will unbook them, or like they get dropped from a show. But like their careers are never destroyed. They just find you, different yeah. jobs.
2: Are you an Earthworm Gym fan? I am.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned right. that for no reason.
2: Well, <laughs> oh, wait, not I no do reason. I actually
1: do know I think I do. I have heard about this, but please go on.
2: Oh, well, the so the creator's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which it was hard that was uh in my life, that's like the number one heartbreaking. You know, like you find out Orson Scott Carr's a piece of shit, right. HP Lovecraft's a piece of shit. I took those whatever. Um, but Doug Tenaple, he didn't just create Earthworm Jim. He's, a like, my favorite graphic artist. He's novelist, got a very cool stuff. He's a very cool style. He's got an amazing style, and he's done a bunch of amazing books. And he scrupulously, which is, I think, kind of hypocritical, like we're talking about, on Twitter all day, he says, like, literally, women shouldn't have the right to vote and shit that backwards. Wow. But— he scrupulously keeps it out of his comics to the point that a kid like me, growing up reading his comics, and would never knew till Twitter exists and he spouts all this Scott Adams shit oh, every God. day. Oh God,
1: Scott Adams. That's and
2: uh, yeah. See, that was less heartbreaking. Who no, I was the gonna. I was
1: gonna, I was gonna do a bit of like, oh how the mighty have fallen from the funnies.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> the, so Doug. Yeah, it's true. But Doug Tenapel is one that I cared about enough that. And I, I, like, had enough of a follower count that he responds to me. Oh, shit. And I approach him respectfully, and we get in long arguments on DM, right? Okay. About – because he remembers me coming every year to his booth at Comic-Con. Oh, he wow. He knows I'm a genuine fan. He knows that I'm coming from a place where I'm not just writing him off. He comes from, like, a Christian conservative place, so I'm like, I'm just trying to understand – but uh because you say things like, but I'm not racist, I love all people like Jesus would. How can you justify this horrible shit right. you said? <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like trans people are molesting our kids and they're all gonna burn in hell? Like, how do you reconcile? And we get into long conversations. And one of the best was, and in my mind, of course, I always win sure. because he spouts a bunch of nonsense. Right. He never admits it, but and uh he was talking about he's like, Gary Sinise would back me <laughs> up. Uh He goes, the number one most discriminated against group is white Christian men. And he goes, like, do you know how hard it is for me to get my comics made into movies or how hard it is for me to break into Hollywood because I'm Christian? And I'm like, it's not because you're Christian. It's because if well, if you're a dick to people that would explain and he goes i'm not i don't twitter is my private space and i'm like let's say yeah. i believe that right and you're perfectly pleasant and like gay people would not know that deep yeah down twitter you hate also though. twitter is like, notably say,
1: not a private space very much a public forum <laughs> right
2: exactly like well he's like I've worked with so many gay and trans artists and they all love me. And I'm like, not if they've read your Twitter dude. And they have yeah, Twitter. They, like, they're probably. they might be pleasant to you because they're patient people. Right. There's a very That's, much a difference, I mean? but he was like, uh, uh, Gary Sinise would back me up. I was talking to him the other day and we both agree. If we weren't Christians, we'd be way more famous. <sighs> and I'm like, He's Gary fucking <laughs> yeah. Sinise. He's Lieutenant saying, he Dan. Did, what the fuck do you okay. want? You're talking to a dude who's toiling <laughs> in the middling ranges of entertainment. Like, come off it, dude. No, that's anyway, wild, though. It is wild. Doug Tanaple is infuriating to argue uh, with over DMs. I was going to say, like, that, that, imagine. that, someone <laughs> coming from
1: that mentality, like, I don't even know how you that are, like, I assume that your arguments must just, at a certain point, just stop because. It doesn't seem like that's a thing that he's ever... Well,
2: he's like, but do you know how much more famous right, he should Right, of course. Because he's so talented. And I'm like, so's Tom Hanks, so's fucking Jerkoff. Yeah, passion. and there's, like, there's also on. people that are more talented <laughs>
1: than you who have way less success. Like, it's not... Nothing,
2: nothing is right. fair at all. <laughs> yeah. Has it ever occurred to you, nothing is fair? Which I think... That's the cornerstone issue that keep Doug and me from <laughs> coming together on this one day is that he believes that the universe is fair because that's what it means to believe in an intelligent Christian-style sure. God. I don't believe the universe has to be fair necessarily, no. which frees me up to accept a lot of Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. Like, well, yeah, you know, everything's random, so that's fine. Or, like, not that's fine, but I accept I, I will. True. I will accept you know? this as reality and
1: not do 17 uh, mental gymnastics poses to tweak this to a way that actually makes me feel a little better.
2: Dude, he's so good at comics. He also brought us VeggieTales. Oh, yeah, I love my favorite, uh,
1: my favorite Christian vegetable-based cartoon and, and 3D animation. Absolutely love it. Big fan. That and Cherub Wings.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the one where Mary Magdalene got stuck under a giant zucchini <laughs> and then Jesus fucks the shit out of her. With
1: another, it. with strangely enough, another zucchini, which is like normal size. Yeah. And they perform,
2: they perform anal <laughs> on each other.
1: Is that anything? <laughs> I think we just came up with a new position, the veggie tail. Uh,
2: <laughs> the veggie T-A-I-L. Yeah. Uh, that's that very works. fun. Uh, before we go to... Pl- Moses, let my people eat ass.
1: I'll spread those cheeks like the Red Sea and fucking just.
2: That's the one. You got for 40 to. years. It's going to be. I'll wander in that butthole for 40 years.
1: Uh, and by the way, you might want to get yourself checked for plagues afterwards. Yeah. Uh... Sweet Before we go to heaven. plugs here, I did yeah. want to just mention uh, my my version of the one that was like hard to grasp, like the cancellation or like a person I'm like, oh you suck, you know that kind of thing, was uh, actually kind of recently, and it was John Cleese from Monty Python. Uh, no, I, he well, sucks. Not, maybe not oh, like no. that, but he did tweet something about a week or two ago saying, I stand with J.K. Rowling. Uh, so I'm I'm realizing oh, that a sure. lot of British celebrities are like a lot of British people are very transphobic. See,
2: everything's personal. Everything's a spectrum. If uh, that lifestyle intersected with my identity, I might feel differently. So who am I it's to fucking weird. say? But. I will just say I it's definitely weird and it's hateful and it's sad. There's still a range and things are different. Everything is what it is, you know what I mean? For me that's in the range of like yeah, great grandparents are racist. That's bad. They'll die soon and hopefully they didn't pass <laughs> right, that hold way. on. But it's still different than uh your Chris Delias or your Sure, yeah, CKs, like actual Ks, sex you know? criminals.
1: Yeah, the the thing with
2: Well, when someone says, Oh, do you didn't hear that guy's a piece of shit? Nowadays it's you have to find out because it is different. It is. It's like uh yeah, like they uh voted for Trump and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, they raped. 40 people (laughs) like that's the you know the stakes these days and it's good that this shit's coming to the surface but you got to find out which no absolutely
1: that's why i think uh aggressively liberal twitter sometimes needs to uh focus on nuance a little more because they tend to treat it all kind of the same and just broad strokes because they want to retweet something or whatever and i i definitely i i don't think like on the you know i don't think that's all the time but i've definitely noticed that we're like uh, say like a uh, Chris Delia, uh, you know, pedophile thing is treated with the same severity as like somebody using like bitch in a tweet, like you know, like which is like not great optics, but it's right. it's, it's it's sometimes treated with the same severity, and I think we create a I lot mean... of weird dissent that way. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't think there would be two sides. I mean, maybe there would, people are fucking stupid, <laughs> but it feels like on this there wouldn't be two sides if the other side didn't have some points. Like, I I feel that the people who complain about cancer culture, cancel culture are wrong, but they are observing data that right. exists. Like, it's a huge societal shift from uh oppressed groups of people having literally yeah. no voice to now kind of having some voice and speaking up for their rights. And it's wrong for you to think that impinges on your rights. Or if it does, then we'll share the rights differently. Like, we have to account for this history of oppression. We have to give these people places at the table. If that costs your seat to, like, shift a little, we'll all get through it together. There's growing pains. So I think they're wrong and they're full of shit. But at the same time, their argument that, well, you know, in all this mess of trying to give everyone rights, some people are going to get unfairly canceled or some random people are going to not get a job they would have otherwise sure. got. Yeah, that's true <laughs> to some limited degree. I'm sure they will. Who fucks uh, but it's it's, so it's, like, it's it's a who cares and a, that can happen to me. It's OK. I, say, I like it's my I was going
1: to say, yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's a thing that could definitely happen. But it's also just a very small part. in all of the reasons it's just one facet of all of the stupid bullshit reasons that people would be fucked over in Hollywood anyway. Like like they wouldn't get an opportunity for whatever reason, like. There's so many ways that can happen to like the, 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 slim possibility that they would be taken out of context. And then that's the reason that they lost a thing is like just as likely as they, you know, just did, had a bad audition or like were right. off that day or whatever.
2: Versus if you're trying to argue that being gay or a person of color or trans has historically made getting jobs difficult. You got data on your side. You oh, can back that shit
1: day, up. Yeah, you all day. Yeah. All day. You it. I do have some friends that are uh, comics who will sometimes get in their feelings about that kind of stuff and be like, "It's just like I know I'm, I'm good. I'm just white." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like your life has been way easier, so like maybe you didn't need to, you know, get on that unpaid show or whatever they're complaining about." Welcome to the
2: party, and also. There was every chance you were never going to make it anyway, <laughs> and I say that about myself. That's exactly you know what I mean. Like full circle. This is a full circle yeah.
1: in a full circle right now. That is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are we are like three. There's like three Buicks on top of this podcast lady that's about to get fucked.
2: <laughs> well, you got to bury Mitch McConnell deep, or he comes. back. Uh, oh, oh you know.
1: bury him in a ditch, McConnell. <laughs> There you go. Hey, that could be the episode <laughs> title also. We'll see. I'll write that down. Uh speaking of that could be the episode title. Michael, we are here at the end of our hour. Uh, obviously, this episode is coming out on Friday, October 16th. What would you like people obviously. To, What
2: would you like people to hear or see or look at or do stuff with? Oh, Jesus. Um Hey, be good to each other. Load your tabs ahead of time so you can read off plugs. Uh, you can find <laughs> You can find all my shit the, at uh, patreon.com slash smallbeans, which is where I wish people would go the most if they I get it. I get it. too. But um, I also want to tell you what we're doing over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we actually have a great episode coming out on Monday the 19th about the movie Nightcrawler featuring Jason Parson, a.k.a. David Wong, who has a new novel out uh, as of, I think, today, as of the day we're recording called zoe punches the future in the dick <laughs> so i'm also tangentially plugging my friend yeah
1: i've seen I've, I've heard of that through
2: sponsored facebook ads <laughs> oh <good. laughs> yeah then he's got he's getting reach yeah <laughs> uh he's great dude if you haven't read his stuff john dies at the end being the. First i read one. uh
1: it's john dies at the end i have not read this book is full of spiders yet uh, that's that's the second yeah, one, right? Yeah, I
2: I actually like his new series, which this newest one is the second in the new series. Just because I'm a sci-fi guy, over Hell yeah. her, and it's uh, yeah, I'll check that futuristic. shit out.
1: And that is uh, so you're doing night, right. a Nightcrawler review,
2: not uh, a review. Yeah, it's part of our show, Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. Which sounds like we should review the movie, <laughs> but we don't. We do what we did at Cracked, which is miss title stuff first of all, but secondly. Basically provide close reading. Like if you've seen Nightcrawler, we we aim to make Nightcrawler more interesting than you th- knew it was and more rewarding than you Hell knew yeah. it was. So a um, lot of big, fun conspiracy theories or big picture takeaways, um, you know, really deep dives into the filmmaking technique and stuff that you wouldn't know just from a casual Nice. Uh, yeah. And that's at patreon.com smallbeans Correct? Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. Very, very... Planned and unlike this. No talk of coming or getting stuck under corpses. Very rarely.
1: Well, you know, if you ever need some of that, I'd love to do the show. Anyway, I'll come on with nothing planned and I'll just talk about niche
2: porn. Just, dude, the rate at which you're knocking puns out of the park this episode. Thank I you. Think bodes well, if you could just be a voice that. No one ever explains or introduces, but anytime you think of a pun like uh, "Mitch in the <laughs> Ditch," you just yell it, just like a madman. That's a, that's a little bit how great. my
1: brain works uh, on uh, in these quarantine quickies. I've noticed. <laughs> it's definitely that's definitely yeah. where we're at. Speaking of where we're at, I've got a Patreon people can check out. Also, should they feel so inclined to spend another five dollars uh, to hear another podcast about movies, <laughs> um, you can go to Patreon. Uh, uh,
2: uh, Mine only cost Oh three. shit! Uh,
1: all right, so I tell you what: if you sign up. And message me that uh, uh, Swames only costs $3. Message me that on Patreon. I will Venmo you $2 back. How about that, everybody? (laughs) That's how we're going to do it. There you go. Uh, But yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash bleak and review, we got a a new episode of One and a Half Men out, where we did a double feature of The Vitch and The Lighthouse by David Eggers. Uh, Two very fun uh, slow burn horror movies. Uh, Hollis Black and I reviewed them. Uh, Got into some... Got into some uh, some big thematic scrambles for meaning as well. It was very fun. Uh, I love those movies, and hopefully, other people do too. Um, and other things. Yeah, dude, trips. I watched it for the first time for the podcast, and I oof, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a
2: real good time. And I love how it's in a square aspect ratio, so you can pretend it's just a really bad Zoom call <laughs> that's not going well, <laughs> or a, or a decent podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two guys getting way. drunk oh in a my lighthouse. <laughs> just, yeah, just two white guys talking about whatever comes to their mind. That is a <laughs> While podcast. drinking petroleum or whatever. <laughs> I would so listen to a long-form podcast of Willem Dafoe and Ryan Pattinson in those I characters just shooting the shit. I think we
1: need to uh, get a, this is the GoFundMe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Jerked off to some scrimshaw today. <laughs> like This podcast. <laughs> this podcast rules, dude. <laughs> I,
1: she was stuck against the cr- crashed against the waves stuck on the briny rocks
2: <laughs> they're coming they're never coming as the seagulls picked at her stuck butt <laughs> <laughs> this is the 800th episode of this shit um and I love it
1: uh, uh anything else you want to promote here bud
2: uh yeah check out Our feature film. It really is not that bad. And it stars some SNL folks. It's uh, Kill Me Now. Once again, you can find the whole thing on YouTube. Just search Kill Me Now. I will link
1: it in the gosh dang episode description. If I remember. I bet I will. Absolutely. Well, it was great seeing you, bud. Thanks for doing the show.
2: Yeah. When... uh, oh, that ball's in my court, right? We're working on a rap we together. Are. Too, uh, we are. We could that. definitely
1: uh, shoot the shit about that a little more after the record, if you want. Uh, I have some updates from my end that may help, uh, if if you're interested. Okay. But for now, listeners, keep an eye out for uh, a Kevin Anderson, Michael Swaim collab rap coming at some point in the future. <laughs> Goodbye, Goodbye everybody. everybody. We'll see you next week.